Well, hello. Hey, what's up? You're listening to Ergo? You are indeed. I am Kiss. I can verify that. I'm Damon. It felt like I had to think about it for a second. No, it's true. You were right. (laughs) And we are here uh, doing what we do, showcasing the folks, reshaping culture for the more equitable and creative. Uh, We have a very... Ooh, I like the added drum roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to get more sound effects for other parts. We are limited. Speaking of sound effects, let's get to arguably the best part of our show, which is introing the guests. Uh-huh. It's all downhill from there. <laughs> we have a very special guest in the building. She is a writer, a poet, an artist, an organizer, a political maneuverer. Ooh. <laughs> She's been known maneuverer. to maneuver. <laughs> I'm over there. I'm maneuver Just, I'm really excited to get to see it. It's been a minute. Uh, come on, Felix. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, We're hi. Here. I am incredibly excited to be here. Y'all are lit as fuck. Wow. It's wow, cold wow. outside. It, it is. It is it the is. opposite of lit outside. I don't like <laughs> that shit. The flame has been put but out you want to know what, though? I will say, I've been talking a lot of shit about how cold it is, but the reality is that it's actually not more cold than New York is. So let's give a little context. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I, I just want to say, I feel outside. Yeah. Already. I now you know out. how I I'm feel. Sorry. My whole but, but, but we're here, though. Yeah, we're that's here. true. <laughs> this is like an expat community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have not been here long. How long have you been in the city of Chicago? Yeah, if you throw the headphones on, it'll feel like a show. It's up to you, though. Oh, this is cool. Yeah, there, there you go. You go. <laughs> you're in it with us. <laughs> I have been in Chicago for, uh, what day is today? Today is the 23rd. I have been here since... Almost exactly a month. Wow. You know it's a short amount of time when someone says, what day is it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I am not. Wow. A month too long. I'm just kidding. So first of all, welcome. (laughs) Thanks. I am excited And where are you coming here from? I'm coming here Uh, from, I'm from the Bronx, New York. The eggs all day! All day. I live in Brooklyn, bum-ass Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. I live in whack-ass Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. Um, Brooklyn on weekends. Yeah, exactly. Bronx all day, (laughs) Brooklyn all weekends. Right, exactly. Um... But yeah, I'm in Chicago. I am uh, the director of communications for Amara Anya, who's running for mayor of Chicago. Uh-huh. Ergo alum. Mm-hmm. We've had uh-huh, her on the show. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. The homie. Um, and also, my book is coming out with Haymarket Books. Ah. So I'm just out here sort of doing the last couple of little book things yeah. before it goes into the world and haunts me. Wow. Shout out, so. shout out to the book. Thanks. So Super we're talking exciting. to you pre-haunt. That's exciting. Yeah. I <laughs> Thank God, because I, it's, it might kill me. So... All right. Well, I'm glad we got this on tape then. So be- before we get into the implications <laughs> of all that, we always like to start the show the same way, which is in this time, in this moment, the season, this very windy, cold season, how is the world treating you and how are you treating the world? Come on. Hmm. It's a difficult time politically. Um, and I think as someone who works in politics and who talks a lot about politics and just sort of like exists in that world, the world is not being very kind mm. to us folks. I'd like to think that I'm kicking the world's ass, that I'm <laughs> giving it that work. Um, this is the, I can't remember. This is the second of like the last two months where somebody was being the world. Was it Miguel? Was it I think, yeah, it was like, like, I am throwing down on the world yeah, right now. Like, we are scrapping. Like, and you're winning. Like, yeah, absolutely. Oh, uh, shout out to you. Always. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's a it's a weird moment to be of color. It's a weird moment to be a woman. It's a weird moment to be, you know, of immigrant background. It's a weird moment to be alive, frankly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so every day I just sort of wake up 
and try to center myself in what I am enjoying, which is like, you know, talking, to, being in close contact with my people, eating good food, you know, enjoying cool little bottles of wine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, at least I'm being nice to myself. Well, that's and that's Shout a good that's an important piece. It's like I wonder whether so every time is strange. Do you think people are usually as aware that they're living in strange times as we are right now? Yeah, totally. Like, did people in like 1812 go like, "This is the War of 1812"? <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> I think so. This actually. is bonkers. I think you know, part of what we love about being writers and part of why poets are so important and journalists is because they are mark makers, mm. right? So mm -hmm. when something happens, they say and tell you why this is profound. And, you mm. know, the War of 1818. 18, 12. 1812. Which is by, there was also a war by 18, far 18. the least poetic war ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> the War of 1812. <laughs> you were there in 1812. Um, for, I don't have all the information in front of me right now, but I'm willing to bet that you know, some of the writers who wrote about it called it the War of 1812 because there was something pretty significant about the year of 1812 that, like, created this socio-political mm -hmm. framework that mm -hmm. allowed this war to happen. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they would have called it some other shit. Someone had to name it. Someone had to name it, yeah. and they named it the War of 1812 because for some reason, this war happening at that time was profound, unique, and disruptive. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is how history works, that there's always someone who takes a step back and says, like, oh— wait, the implications of this um, are going to go further than this moment. And so you do everything you can to document it. Yeah, and that's really different from the role of like a historian, which mm -hmm. is looking back and mm -hmm. then naming or framing and all right. that. But the ability to like do that in real time or yeah. close to real time is really valuable. I think then for people who are doing that history stuff to have some sort of anything right. to work it's with. It's the people in the moment who have to set the parameters and the framework for um, – why the moment matters. Yeah. And then historians get the chance to look back at what that moment did to the, you know, mm -hmm. uh, right? Like after it happened, yeah. like what were those implications that then led to the world that we are in right now? Yeah. Are you, are you doing that in, in this moment in time? Are you making those type of projections or claims? Uh, sort of. I think the moment that we're in, we've been in for the last five years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and it's going to extend for... At least another 10. It's a long-ass so moment. so ready for a new it's moment. It's a long-ass right? moment. It really is. <laughs> this moment is getting weird. Yeah, it really is. Throwback to, have you watched the video of Mariah Carey, the supercut of her on oh my God, Shopping like, Network what's moment? Time? Oh, that too. <laughs> no, but there's one there's where no she, one. there's a supercut of her over the course of a two-hour show just calls everything a moment. <laughs> We've already folded it in once. I'm going to fold it in. <laughs> if there's one thing we want our listeners to know, it's Mariah Carey saying moment, moment, <laughs> moment about a million different things. It doesn't have to be a skin-tight moment to make you look thin. It's a dual moment. That it's a full-on evening moment if she wants it to be. I deserve a push moment. And I'm not trying to do a styling moment. A genius moment. A short moment. You know what I mean? Transitional summer moment. <laughs> I need a moment. I need a fragrant moment. But um, but seriously, thank you so much. I don't know why. Mm, Pregnancy, mm. you're like, hmm, I want whatever. I was into the bandana moment, whatever. So um, HSN anniversary moment. Like a fun, you know, cute remix moment. A loving moment. At That's a diamond moment. I don't care <gasps> what anybody says. Transitional moment. <laughs> Different moments. It's moment. Oh, and it's a deep level and it's a moment i'm working hard i'm working out i'm trying to get ready for you know three months my moments i'm waiting for my moment kind of like makes it okay for the rest of your 
moments to be interchangeable, I think. But yeah, so the, it, this kind of expanding that we're, it, like we are clearly not at the end of whatever is happening no, right now. No, and I think that, I to answer your question, I think I marked this moment three years ago, hmm. um, or maybe even four years ago. Uh, and so in this moment, there's nothing to, to mark. Yeah. It's almost just like... I, we well, here the it. fuck we yeah. are. <laughs> here we are. It was. It was. It's funny because it was so distressing at the time. Yeah. But looking back on it, that was almost exciting. Like it when was. We, when we were like, oh, we're at a new moment. We're at a new moment. It. Shit's let's, about let's, to get let's really do bad. It. Yeah. And it is. It is now a heavy. Like ah, this, yeah. damn, this damn moment. This I've been damn, carrying this moment. Are. Responsibility yeah. of this moment. Yeah. No, for sure. I think like three years ago, there, and I'm I'm speaking both like culturally and politically, things there was a, a kind of lull, right? So, like, hmm. after Obama was leaving office and Hillary was running for president and there seemed to be a kind of calmness. It was, it was very short. It was, like, yeah. a two-month period of calm, right? Mm. Where everyone seemed to, like, understand that, like, the best way for us to go was to elect Hillary, even though many people, particularly women of color, felt like she was inherently problematic, right? Mm-hmm. But we felt like there was we were going to be able to at least continue the precedent that Obama had set, which had its own problems, right. but was much better. But yeah. the discourse was, the we're discourse going to be in a 12-year Obama yeah. presidency exactly. just with a white woman running Right, exactly. And then something small shifted. It was like a poll. I can't remember which poll exactly, mm-hmm. but a poll that basically was like, oh, no, Trump could win. Mm-hmm. And someone said to me, this is when I was working for the governor of New York. A yeah. colleague actually was like, he's going to win. Mm-hmm. And we were like, get the fuck out of here. Why would you even say that? That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's not going to happen. And then I went home that night and I was like talking to my then partner. And I was like, this nigga might win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was something. I don't know why. There was something about, I, I was probably reading uh, Asada around that time. Mm-hmm. And something about her experience in the hospital right. with the cops and them like doing the Nazi salutes uh-huh. when nobody was looking. Yeah. That just felt that really just felt pertinent really at the pertinent. time. I was like, oh. Yeah. America was always fascist. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I, yeah. And not in a like marginalized way. It might have been like secretive or right. suppressed, but in but like it was very institutional. Much yes. Uh, yes. Systemically. And, and that's fashion. when I and so I was like, oh. And then that was like at the same time, like the Trump exactly. rhetoric was coming up. And mm-hmm. I, I had that same feeling of yeah. like I didn't think he was going to win. I thought that we were, we were performers to right. the point of like, he makes us look bad. Right. But I was like, this is really going to actually yep. show some of our true nature. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and that's when I and realized. here we are. I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, this is, a, this is going to be a thing. Like, history. Is, it is definitely a thing. <laughs> In that moment where I yeah, was like, oh, shit, this motherfucker might win. Yeah. Is I think when my brain like made the mark. And I wrote... The poem that made that I made I'm like Mark made made Mark Mark Maked I Mark believe make is the it. term you you make marketed I make marketed <laughs> what a little makers mark. and now, now what you're doing is marketing to makers specifically with makers mark, makers mark. <laughs> <laughs> they can tell you so um, that summer so right after he won I like wrote a poem that was about what it meant to lose and like what black women in particular lost. Hmm during that fight and in that moment. Um, and so just to answer your question, that is when I... That's, that's when you named yeah. made. That's when I named it. So let's go back to the lull. What were you doing during the lull? What was I doing during the lull? You said you were uh, working for Cuomo. During the lull. It's a good time. Hmm. I was 
working for Cuomo. I was um, in the last final stages of, like, editing the book. Um, I was still with my ex-partner. We were in, like, a fairly good place. Mm. Um, And I just sort of, like, you know, it's still sort of not at the beginning of my political career, but close enough to the beginning where I was like, there's so much potential. Like, where can I go? What can I do? Mm -hmm. D.C., here, there. Um, The political world is your oyster. It was like, oh, it's my oyster. There's just so much work to do. So what were you doing for the governor? Um, So I was deputy press secretary and Uh, speechwriter. It's actually the first black female speechwriter to ever serve in New York State. Squad, look at that. Which is crazy. And the youngest, which also was really problematic. But also, again, marks the moment, right? Because it's like all these young people, particularly millennials, who are like, oh, no, (laughs) y'all don't know (laughs) how to talk to people. Let us fix this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's what I was doing, just sort of like chilling, like drinking wine, writing poems, hanging out with my friends. Everything was good. Writing poems and press releases and speeches at the same time seems— Yes. And I know we're now like past you that I'm asking this question oh, to, but fine. for present you, because I think it pertains to your work. Um, what are the overlaps in craft between the two? Um, actually, like a lot of like significant overlap. I think first and foremost, you know, part of— Mark making is like naming the moment, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then like allowing the naming of the moment to then dictate the tone. Mm. Um, so, you know, when I write a poem, so like when I wrote I, what I call the Trump poem, um, <laughs> it was very much, first I just had to like name what I was, what the tension was, right? Mm. Which was like a tension of, like almost a maternal tension, right? This hmm. feeling that women in particular, especially women of color, were trying so hard and working so hard to like give birth in this way to a new kind of democracy and a new way of looking at the world mm-hmm. and that we just got completely obliterated, right? Where we had like gotten just a little bit further with Obama, not far enough, right? Right, he was still doing my brother's keeper. Right, and, you exactly, know, all that stuff. Yeah. right. And like all these other things, like we know how Chicago feels about Obama and like all these other things. And we yeah. knew that we like weren't quite there, but black women knew that like if we were given just a little bit of an inch, we could push it yeah. so much further and just like blow it out of the water, right? Um, and Bernie helped to inspire a lot of that, too. Mm-hmm. When I went to, like, sit down and, like, name that is when I realized, like, what the tone of that poem had to be. And it had to be, mm-hmm. like, urgent and almost violent and um, ethereal. Uh, and I think that that's the same thing when writing, like, statements or speeches where, you know, like the other day when— um, the three police officers who um, were implicated in the cover-up of Laquan McDonald's death mm-hmm. um, when they were acquitted, right? The first thing you do is you just sort of, like, name it, right? Like, yeah. what is it? And it's negligence. Mm-hmm. It's erasure, yeah. right? It um, is, more than anything else, it's dismissal, mm-hmm. Um and once you name that and you just say what it is, then all the language comes in, right? And the language just sort of finds itself and the tone shows itself. And so in that moment when you say, like, we're being erased or we're being ignored um, and there's a negligence where people just, like, don't care enough about our communities to hold people accountable in the ways that you would expect them to, right? Then you know that, like, the tone needs to be frustrated. Right. right. Um, but if you're starting from, a, like, what's going on? Which right. is so often when, like— I can't remember who said it, but, like, the ultimate privilege is being able to take things out of context. Yeah. So, like, if you can look at that and not understand it, right. then it's so much harder exactly. to listen to someone else name it or name it for yourself. Exactly. And well, then you just wind up not saying 
anything. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm all over the no, place. It's fine. No, it's I, I want to, <laughs> I have, I'm going to say like three things and we're going to see where this goes. Let's see. <laughs> One in life, I want to make a list of ultimate privileges because I feel like I've said that, <laughs> I've said that a few times. Yeah. And I want to, <laughs> I want to go to that. Maybe an exercise. Do you have any? Yeah, what, yeah. Okay. So that's um, one. And then a two-parter. You just the the political. We have this is a political show in a lot of right. ways, but we don't talk a lot about like mainstream electoral politics, sure, and especially so federal politics. Yeah. Like we don't talk about Trump much. So it's so it's yeah. a it's evoking a lot for me. So I have a serious route I want to take, but then also a silly one. I'm thinking I'm, go, I'm down for I'm, both. I'm gonna go serious first, and then maybe we get to this privilege list. I like okay. This. The Obama shit, man. I I just I'm thinking of it like I'm I'm personifying that relationship of mm-hmm. like black Americans, people who want structural change and progress in our relationship to Obama. And I think we went from excitement to anger mm-hmm. that we've not like grieved mm-hmm. and really healed mm-hmm. that relationship. So I'm thinking of it as like literally an emotionally abusive relationship mm-hmm. uh, filled with like gaslighting. Mm-hmm. And you to do a lot of gas. Yeah. And yeah, and like kind of where it's put us now and how vulnerable and oftentimes how like one the the trauma of one abuse making you vulnerable or mm-hmm. susceptible to then like a greater abuse. Mm-hmm. And this isn't to like diminish like in naming it that it's not conflating like it's saying it is as harmful in certain ways yeah and I just I just I've been really angry lately the Mm -hmm. more and more I think about that Obama family man Mm -hmm. what what is making you angry I I might give them too much credit they might not just be as smart as I think they perform that's like me being nice Mm -hmm. but my belief is that they're brilliant people Mm -hmm. that are that have with intention been deceitful in a self-serving um Hmm way that has continued the harm of the people that they depend upon for their fame and their power. And do you mean that specifically in Chicago or like? To- totally. Like even yeah. perform. I mean, even just like Michelle on this book tour mm-hmm. is offensive to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, tell me more. You know, her, what was it? The Balenciaga boots and mm-hmm. the doing stadiums when mm-hmm. people are dying and are in poverty mm-hmm. and, you you know, are in need of, of health care. And just like the fact that at every turn, I feel that they have intentionally been the folks to stop the pitchforks, mm-hmm. right? And not mm-hmm. saying not to like idealize the pitchforks, but like that is like a loose language of mm-hmm. resistance or needing more or people's mm-hmm. needs being met outside the capitalist structure. Mm-hmm. The way that they continuously are in tune with those who benefit from our oppression mm-hmm. and have benefited themselves while positioning, you know, in the like the pastoral. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know. There's like plenty of politicians who do that, but the difference is like they have served that role as the 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 diffuser of that. Attention. And so her like I am the I am the black woman. I'm going to be the face of 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 this elite blackness that we need to all aspire towards in this time where we know the history of how that elitism is is counterproductive. Mm-hmm. And you're from Chicago, mm-hmm. you know, and so I think the 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 carelessness or the um the apathy that the 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 library and the mm-hmm. you know the lack of communal benefit agreement for those who don't know sim- so yeah so they're building this big old library with you know hotels and a Tiger Woods golf course and it is like displacement one on one blueprint um and the way that they mock or dismiss community organizers. Uh, wanting to have some equity, wanting to be protected in some type of way from these very dangerous things to then make it seem like gentrification or displacement is not a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I, yeah. could, I could Obama rant for a while. It's a different show. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, what, what that, are your, that's what are your a great thoughts? show. Yeah. I mean, I think a couple of things. I think 
first things first, I think that the conversation that the Obamas are having with Chicago and the conversation that the Obamas are having with the nation are two different conversations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that the responsibility that the Obamas have to Chicago looks different from the responsibility that Obamas have to the nation, Mm -hmm. both in terms of optics and like actual resources, right? Like what it means to give back. So we all know that Chicago has built the Obama legacy, right? Mm, like Obama right. would not be Obama, like not even anywhere close without Chicago, without Chicago's corruption, without right. Chicago's um, uh, chutzpah, I guess yeah, you call yeah, it, with that, with, yeah. just without its its boldness, right? right. I remember listening to, um, I think, a WBEZ, the, the on- what, what was it? Becoming Obama? Mm-hmm. Yeah, shout out podcast. Jen White, the yeah. new host of their morning show. She's, She's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there was like a... a, a a segment where they talked about like him and another alderman like getting into a fight, uh, like a fist fight, <laughs> like, uh, like on the house floor, which is hilarious. fucking hilarious, right? But also, just do we goes think to, he has hands? Like, I, you know, probably. Oh, what do you think? He might have a decent little. Yeah, I think. Surprise! <laughs> I think if he has hands, he got them from Chicago. <laughs> you don't think he grew right. up with hands? I don't think he grew up with hands. I think, and I think that that. Says a lot, right? Like Chicago is what gave him the sort of like grit and cut mm-hmm. that yeah. made him um that made him so beautiful, that mm-hmm. made him mm-hmm. so loved by the rest of the nation, right? So I think the conversation that the Obamas have to have with Chicago looks different from the conversation that Obamas have had with the nation. I think that the Obamas owe so much to Chicago and owe so much to the critiques that are being lofted towards them from Chicagoans. Um, And it does disappoint me as someone who truly does believe, who, who also wrestles with how do you own that kind of power and then remain community-driven and yeah. remain community-oriented, right? Mm-hmm. It's a very difficult thing to do. So, first of all, I want to, like, honor the fact that I'm not from Chicago, right? And so I don't want to, like, make any significant claims about, like, what this conversation should look like. Mm-hmm. I think bottom line, though, right, like— when we talk about equity and when we talk about yeah. um, what it means to take care of your people on like a very basic level, the first thing you start with is listening to them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And genuinely hearing their frustrations and trying to find a middle ground by which to to be able to like actually build together. And that's not a public hearing where you sit at the front of the room and people get up and yell at you for three minutes and right. then you go home and, and then you then do you whatever you want to do. Right, like that looks a lot different. And so it's very disappointing for me to hear and to have just learned over the last couple of months and, and years, there's a real disconnect between Chicago and Obama. And that's hard to hear. Yeah. On the other side, in terms of, I'm always going to separate Michelle and Barack mm-hmm. in terms of what their impact looks like and what their responsibilities are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think first things first, <laughs> Michelle is... You know, I could be wrong. She and I have never spoken. But <laughs> Michelle never wanted She's to here. Be, Come on out. <laughs> Come on out. Michelle never wanted to be a politician, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Michelle was an attorney. Mm-hmm. And she almost, it's almost funny because if you like do some more of the reading of just sort of their lives, she almost got like dragged into it yeah. by Barack, right? She's kind of like a tragic hero in yeah, some ways. Exactly, yeah, exactly. In a lot of ways, right? Um, and so to an extent, I can relate to just sort of like wanting to live, right? Like the person who's actually from Chicago is Michelle, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Barack's not really like, He's a transplant. He's a transplant. Yes, he is. Yeah. Um, but Michelle is the one who's like from the South Side, right? Right. 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 And 
So I leave a lot of space for her in terms of how she wants to play out this end of her narrative. Yeah. Because for the last 10 years, her narrative has been owned by everybody else, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and that's the interesting thing about when you talk about first ladies, especially um, first ladies who take on the kinds of roles that Hillary first took um, and then yeah. later you saw Michelle take on and like really blow out of the water, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As much as we like can't stand Hillary, when we talk about what her relationship to Bill was, she was one of the first women, right, to own that first lady position yeah. in a way where she was able to take position on policies, mm-hmm. right? And like actually drive policy, mm-hmm. which was the thing that first ladies just were not doing. They were literally trophy Except wives. for like Eleanor Roosevelt. Except for Eleanor Roosevelt, who really was that bitch. Yeah, yeah. she yeah. truly oh, was. Who yeah. truly was, right? <laughs> so I, I retract what I said then. First Eleanor, mm-hmm. yeah. then Hillary, then Michelle. But mm-hmm. Michelle is black. Right, 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 right. right. Um, and so in this moment, right, when I see her book tour and I see what she wrote and sort of like the conversation that she's having about what it means to be a woman, I just sort of like let Michelle rock. Like, girl, like you she do. Put up with because she shit. put up with she her narrative. She almost had no narrative uh-huh. for the last 10 years. And this is the first moment where she's gotten the chance to literally speak in her own language. Right. Yeah. So hearing her say on stage, like sometimes that lean in shit doesn't work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That is a really profound thing for a black woman in that world mm-hmm. to be able to say to other black yeah. women. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Some shit that white women are not going to say to black women. Yeah. 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 I, I respect that. I respect that. And I think I think so. Here's some more of the specifics that like hurt mm-hmm. me is because it's the difference between like do, sorry to cut you mm-hmm. off but like doing right by her right which is what you say is like she deserves that opportunity mm-hmm. to speak in her own language to her own to whoever she wants in whatever right. way she wants but then there's also like her responsibility to this moment that we mm-hmm. were talking right. about mm-hmm. and that's maybe more important than our response I don't mm-hmm. know right right and so with that voice there's just so much that needs to be said that I think mm-hmm. is not said with intention and then also to like in in uplifting her agency and power, right? Like separate of Barack, her relationship to like the University of Chicago, for example. Mm-hmm. So her being on the other side of the fight mm-hmm. of a trauma center, it, right. you know, it is is something that's disheartening. Or the the like valori- valorizing or whatever, the the, the love of the, the Bush legacy right. is, yeah. is like people very uncomfortable. Dangerous. Right. More yeah. than uncomfortable. Like that is that is violent. Like right. why 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 it's hard candy game. You do not have to do that. Right. right. You are not forced into that position. You are with your agency. Right. Choosing to show this kind of affection for someone who has been so harmful. It's a war because because your legacy is attached to continuing those things and benefiting, right? Right. Because you guys did not come in and do the anti-Bush thing right. that y'all got empowered by. Mm-hmm. Y'all continued those wars. And I wouldn't go that legacy. far. And I do think, though, and one of the things, so this is where things get icky in that Hmm. we can definitely offer very valid critiques of the Obamas while being very nuanced, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm, And, like, respecting the fact that a lot of what did happen, right? So one thing I learned about, um, like, foreign policy maybe, like, five years ago is that um, everything is five years in the future. Right. Mm -hmm. So— when a budget gets passed, right, like a, a new military budget, mm-hmm. it doesn't actually apply to the current like right. presidential or like that current sort of like right. administration. It really applies five years in the future, right? Mm-hmm. So oftentimes what we're seeing is almost like watching light years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oftentimes what you're seeing is the impact of a previous administration sort of investment in certain pockets of the military, right, mm-hmm. that drives a certain conversation. And then it's the investment that comes five years in the future, right? Right. 
that actually is the result of the yeah. administration behind it. Which makes sense, but we're 10 years in now. Okay. But now we're so, 10 yeah, years so in. So we can look yeah. from, right. So now so we can now look we back can, there. Now we can look back, right? Yeah. And, and now we can say, okay, so where where actually are we? And it's like, well, we're not in Iraq, right? We are not? Well, no, I'm sorry. I meant we are in Iraq, oh, okay. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, we're, right. Not, we're not out of it. We're not out yeah, of Iraq, right? right, right. right. We're still in Iraq, mm-hmm. right? Um I, you know, the conversation about like, Al-Qaeda is really complicated yeah. and weird because Al-Qaeda isn't a, a – it, it's not like a, a, a nation state, yeah, right? Like right. they are like rogue actors mm-hmm, who right. like ha- – who were created by the United States government in I some right. ways, yes. right? Okay. Where right, they were on like – the same page. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Like fundamentally we are on the same page. Yeah, yeah. But I just think that in these conversations it is like super important, especially because we are talking about – Right, like they're not kings and queens. They're not kings and queens, mm-hmm. right? We're talking about like his like legacies that feed into each other, mm-hmm. that sort of like build layers and networks um, of of problems mm-hmm. that like one person, one administration, and one cool black man is not going to fix. Absolutely right? not. And yeah, so yeah. I also think that we actually like put way too much expectation on the administration and on the Obamas that we just like would not expect of any other or have not had the chance to expect of like any other administration. And even like with the people who are running for office right now, things that we actually don't expect of them either. Well, none of them ran on the platform of the legacy of the Black Freedom Movement. Right. So that... Did he run on that legacy? How many many Martin Luther King silhouettes were behind Obama in 07, (laughs) Yeah, but that's just because he's black, right? Right, But he he intentionally mm -hmm. leaned into that. Yes, I agree, right? But at the same time... Lean in did work in that instance. We've we've seen black politicians not do that. Right. I actually think that, like, and there aren't very many... And this comes down to, like, a problem with, like, political messaging and how it works and, Mm -hmm. like, the way that, like, caricatures get made. But, like, I haven't seen a black politician not run, (laughs) right? True. On, like, I'm black and, like, we have a legacy of, like, rebuilding power. (laughs) Right. Like, that's just... There just, like, aren't that many... People haven't gotten that innovative yet. I want to get to my silly... Oh, go ahead. Before we get to the... I want to make this then about you and the work that you're doing, which is shaping that messaging. Yeah. Um... Are there tropes that you are really committed to not replicating in the messaging behind a campaign? Like things that you're like, we're just not going to play that game. Yeah, plenty. I I couldn't necessarily name them right now, mm-hmm. but I feel like that's half of my day is just being like, oh, no, <laughs> absolutely no, no. not. We're not doing that. Um, I think it's like, like instead of doing the A-B thing, let's go to the C. What yeah, would be another I mean, way to do this? Yeah. But that's also just sort of like my philosophy as a strategist, right, mm-hmm. is like – first of all, there just aren't a lot of black women doing this part of the work, yeah. right? Like sh- – shaping narratives and like shaping conversations for the political moments that we are in in this very specific way black women are doing a lot of work everywhere but in terms of actually occupying these positions not very many right and so in representing black women Mm -hmm. right and working with black women elected officials um and politicians it's really important to me to um a not pretend that we are something that we're not right like Mm -hmm. You're not Angela Davis, right? <laughs> I've met Angela Davis. Yeah. I love Angela Davis. Angela Davis wouldn't run for office, right? Right. right. So what we're not going to do is try to like build that conflation mm-hmm. as if somehow you are like the second coming of the Black Panthers. None of the Black Panthers want to be mayor, 
right yeah. except for the one who ran from the ones who ran the for ones mayor. who ran for mm-hmm. mayor, yeah, right yeah. who then ultimately like we find out found out that like they wound up being corrupt in some right. ways mm-hmm. right or fed into corruption that had already existed yeah. um or were so, undermined or in different ways yeah, yeah, or yeah. were undermined or lost or right exactly yeah. um and so i think very critically about like what it, like who actually are you mm-hmm. right and like what are we not allowed to perpetuate Mm -hmm. and we're not allowed to take agency from organizers and from communities and from activists and pretend that we are now embodying them and taking that into the work right Mm -hmm. like we take our people with us right? right we take the community with us but like it's really hard to like be an activist and a politician. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And the and work like they do is not the it's work, not of, the the work of the politician. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's not because it can't be. Right. But it's because everyone has to, you know, when you, when you think about war, which I, I really hate the idea of war, when you think about what it means to like protect yourself and to protect your people and to like build a strategic framework by which to win, you have to position people in the places where they do their best work, right? Mm -hmm. Because leveraging one influence builds another. And so little things where like certain legislation doesn't get passed unless community organizers and activists, right, first elevate the conversation about what that real life impact is, right? Right. That conversation gets elevated to sort of like local politicians who then get to like introduce legislation, right? And then that gets lobbied at the state or at the municipal level, which then allows for a lobby at the state level, which then creates a 10-year conversation at the national level, right? But at the end of the day, it has to start with the organizers Mm -hmm. and the activists. Mm -hmm. And if the politician is is like fronting, right? And like pretending to be the activist and the organizer, then who's lobbying that conversation up? Mm -hmm. And how does it get there, Mm -hmm. right? So it's about like literally playing your, like playing like you know what I mean like not staying in your lane but like getting where you fit in and then like know what that role actually looks like and we are all we all are sort of born with different things that make us equipped for the work that we do Mm -hmm. Um, and so of course I am an of course I am an activist at my core right like my father helped to liberate the Grenadian government from the US in 1983 after like who else do we talk about about who was involved in that Iceland? Iceland's yeah. yeah. We'll come back to it. Yeah. Oh, cool. Then we should know each other. Um, <laughs> but, right? But, like, at the end of the day, in doing this work, I am not doing the work of activism, right? Mm-hmm. I am doing the work of, like, lobbying and amplifying activist voices. And, like, that is the work that's most important for me to do right now. Mm-hmm. I really respect. You had a, um, a very, like, crisp and sober naming mm-hmm. of our system of governance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm getting the vibes that we agree that we need a new system of governance. Oh, for sure. And, and part of why I push back on the Obamas, right, mm-hmm. or or not even push back, is that I, my my feeling is like, the Obamas did what they what they what they could do in the framework that they were in, right? Mm. And we, well, what I mean by <laughs> the framework that they were in is we, the Obamas were not activists. Mm-hmm. The Obamas were not necessarily like right. new progressives, right? right. They Michelle were like law is not, students who right. became politicians. Right. Michelle and Barack are not Bernie, right? Mm-hmm. They were very much establishment politicians, right? Establishment Democrats who came in with a different perspective on how to be black people in politics that looked a little bit different from what we'd had before. But they, they did almost exactly what we could have expected of them. And mm-hmm. like to an extent— Fairly well, right? 
I think they just, it's just mad at the hypocrisy. And I'm mad uh, at the hypocrisy too. But what I'm more interested in, right, is like who is the next generation of black leaders who actually mm-hmm. lead us into the conversation we want to be in, right? Mm-hmm. And how do we not allow the Obamas and our perceived failures of those Obamas to limit the possibilities of what this next generation of black um of just like black people who want to be engaged and want to be politically involved can do right mm-hmm. by like conflating all of us together. Mm-hmm. We're not all the same kind of black politicos, mm-hmm. right? The Obamas were a very specific kind, mm-hmm. and yeah. they did what they were gonna do as those kinds of black politicos. The do, same way yeah. we would never have expected Hillary to be AOC, right? I, I mean, <clears throat> I, I agree on, on the holistic point of any individual is gonna be limited by the confines of representative government. I think where Barack was different is that he ran on the platform of I am a community organizer. So that divide mm-hmm. that you said that's important. Sure. He intentionally muddied that divide. Right. But then the the real, I think, I, I, I want to be tempered with like my emotional feeling, but it, fe- it what feels like betrayal is the fact that he had a base activated mm-hmm. to get elected mm-hmm. that he then discarded and almost shut down mm-hmm. in a way to so he so sure. it, I think what Trump what Trump teaches us is that there is a way <laughs> to rely and engage with the base to beyond the election to do what I you guess it's do. just so funny it's funny maybe my sort of like lack of like um, like passion around it is just mm-hmm. that like I didn't expect anything different I might have been younger yeah, yeah. and I'm not no we all were we, but you're we also all were really deep and I'm also like more, in yeah. it right mm-hmm. and also like coming from a family of people who are like really engaged in politics right at no point during Obama's election or during him running was I like yo <laughs> shit's about to be mad different I was like yeah. no we have a black president that's yeah. it. Yeah, I wasn't that smart yet. No, was, we, we all were. We all were like looking at <laughs> no, it from different geeked. points. There were yeah. certain, there were certain things that like I saw, and just as like the way that my mind works, I was like, oh, psh, okay, I right. Had, so even the whole like I'm a community or girl, bye. Maybe not. I had a, a I bought a t shirt because I went to Grand Park. I bought a t shirt. Mm-hmm. That had this was like the year Dwight Howard that won the uh, dunk contest, <laughs> and, he, and he had the cape. Superman cape on, and like I had the T-shirt, and like Barack's face was on it, and he's like, I, I thought that's funny. You I thought, thought he was, was really we were this gone. shit is that wrong. Coming. We are here. I, I've seen we it. I've, I saw history win, but yeah, no, I, I'm not I even it. as passionate as like as much time as we're getting into it. I, I do want to be silly now. Okay. So I think what he did teach me also was the significance of people like you. Oh. And the the um, is that the, good or bad? No, no, you're good. And like the role of the speechwriter, right? And how important it is of that there are people that we do not see that are shaping the narrative. And as I'm sitting in the seat, I'm like comparing it to like rappers and MCs mm-hmm. and like how heartbreaking it was to realize that everybody had ghostwriters. <laughs> <laughs> and why do we not hold politicians to the same accountability we hold Drake? We're to? like they have to write their it's own. It's like speeches. yo, you you spin somebody else's bars. This is a fact. Actually, super whack. A fact. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so, that's right. mad. Funny. <laughs> so that's like you've been funny. like Quentin Millard. It's. <laughs> <laughs> It's not wrong. It's not wrong. And it's like, maybe maybe we should be hearing your tracks. Uh-huh. Not the first time I've heard that. There's like some I appreciate some, some the interest in my tracks. Some yeah. reference tracks no. somewhere. No, no, that's, that's real rap. I mean, I definitely see, like, part of the way that I see myself and, like, a lot of the women who are, like, my mentors and, like, people that I fuck with the long way is, like, Right now is my chance, like working for Amar, right? Working for Governor Cuomo, who are drastically different kinds Mm -hmm. of politicians, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Is giving me the opportunity to be able to understand the system and its ins and outs, like, 
at my core, I'm a strategist, right? So I need to be able, and when I say I'm a strategist, what that means is yeah, that. what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> so it means that I see the holes and I plug them. Okay. And I figure out what the end goal is. Mm-hmm. And then I try to identify the obstacles that are in the way. Mm-hmm. And then identify how the fuck you can get around those obstacles, mm-hmm. right? And which obstacles you need to lever, whatever, right? Um, and what this is doing these last, like, t- five or seven years of doing this work and hopefully the next 10 or so is just giving me the chance to just like see the lay of the land like really yeah. see the landscape be able to actually know how this shit works like what it, not how do they tell us not how do they tell how us it, it works how does it work? actually work mm-hmm. and because just like you right like I also want to see politicians in the next 10 years who, like, impress us, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, not just impress us with, like, how cool they sound or, like, if they're good oratory speakers, right? But, like, are you actually what we've been asking for? Mm-hmm. And nine times out of 10, like, a lot of the people who wind up running for office, like, have never done the groundwork to really see what it really, really looks like before they, like, get on that ballot. Yeah. And so if I want to, at some point, be the kind of politician that, like, truly impresses people, I need to, like, really be in the weeds. So you see yourself... I think so. Like okay. maybe All in right. like 10 ask. years or something <laughs> like that. Maybe in like a decade. Could you just give us like your 30-year plan real quick? Like <laughs> just, we'll just real fly quick. Right through it. Yeah. But most importantly, like the reason why I'm doubling down on this is like it is more it is more important to me to be doing this work right now mm-hmm. than it is to me than, than the conversation about running for office. Like that feels right. ultimately inevitable, mostly just because of like the way that shit happens, mm-hmm. right? And the way that influence yeah. works. But like right now, the thing that I'm most invested in is like being in conversation with folks like y'all, yeah. right? Hey. And like internalizing these frustrations and internalizing like why motherfuckers are pissed off and like yeah. internalizing like where the people that we love, the Obamas, right? Mm-hmm. The person I'm working, anybody, mm-hmm. like where people get frustrated with them and really figuring out over time, like, What does it look like to be different, to offer something different? And you can't really know what that is unless you spend a lot of time listening. So that's what I'm trying to do. The thing that I like, so first of all, the last time that I was impressed by a politician was Bernie Sanders' jump shot. He's a very good jump shot, which like it makes sense because he grew up in the in the fifties in New right. York, so he has a good jump shot. Right. He's, yeah. Anyway, um, but the the thing that impresses me about Amara, and I'm curious, like, what your first impressions were, mm-hmm. is it's actually the thing that is most disillusioning to me about the Obamas in the previous conversation mm-hmm. is the willingness or unwillingness to respond to the critiques that keep coming up. Mm-hmm. So if someone is making the same critique or the same point about you every year at mm-hmm. the same time in mm-hmm. response to the same things, you have to engage or else you can't be mad at them for not, like you well, have to yeah. be able to respond to that. And so that's what I like about what I think Amara does really well mm-hmm. is, and it's not in a, always in a defensive way, but mm-hmm. it is in a like, I know where I stand on this, so I have right. the integrity behind it, but I have to have an answer to the criticism. If the criticism is in good faith, right. I have to have an answer to it. Otherwise, I have failed. You haven't failed in asking that critique. I think it actually has a lot to do with the generation of young people that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Where, like, I think a lot of us, especially the moment, the moment, <laughs> the moment <laughs> especially those of us who grew up in, like, activists, organizers, and and art spaces, right? Mm-hmm. Where a big part of, like, our upbringing was learning about accountability, right? Mm-hmm. Not as much as we should. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> let me not give too much credit. <laughs> but, at least At least someone of, said that word. Right. At least we know. We at least we know. Right. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Extent. Right. But at least in terms of, like, 
folks checking you and being like, yo, you said your ethics were, and a lot of that has to do with social media, right? Mm-hmm. Where motherfuckers can call you on some shit you said five years ago. And you have to be, be ready to say like why you've evolved, mm-hmm. why you still stand by that. And like you have to make sure that all the people that you fuck with and that respect you, right, who are going to see that are still going to respect you afterwards. Yeah. So something I say to people, especially like clients that I work for, is like before you tweet, ask yourself, is this a tweet that people would vote for? Hmm. Right. Like if the tweet was on the ballot, would they vote? Mm -hmm. If not, maybe you should think about why you're saying it. Hmm. Right. Um, And I think that the difference between somebody like Mara and Obama is that I don't think he grew up in an age of like political accountability. Right. Or even like sociopolitical accountability. I think him being black. Right. Smart. Um, editor of the of the Harvard Law, right? Yeah, of the Harvard Law Review, right? Was like enough mm-hmm. for him to be considered progressive. Yeah, and yeah. right. It was and, like and beyond getting, pedigree, right? It was not, like that's the wrong word. But but I know like, what you mean. The package. Yeah, 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 it was like, oh well he's Resume. like right. It was like, oh well he's black and woke, right? It, mm-hmm. it, for whatever that meant in nineteen ninety. It was like trying to get booked at a comedy club in the nineties. Yeah. They're like, well he's been on TV. Well, he's been on TV. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. So here's an hour. Whereas now <laughs> there are so many Did you just quote Malcolm X? Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> from oh, the this, autobiography? Oh, this man is a black Panther. Check you out. this this Black Panther is running for president. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think now, because of this age of social media, where even I am constantly, I know every day that there's going to be somebody in the world. I've got 5,000 followers, 5,000 friends. Somebody knows something I said five years ago. And somebody's going to call you on that thing that you said. Yeah. So you have to be ready to explain it. And not just because of the optics, but because you have built a world, right, of people around you based on that accountability. Mm-hmm. So you can't now decide yeah. five years later, like, I don't feel like being accountable, y'all. But yeah. the, the problem, not a problem, yes, mm-hmm. and the issue is when those challenges aren't in good faith. Yes. When it's not in a, like, I want you to be better or I want you to understand this thing or this feels right wrong to me when it's in a place of asserting power over you. Absolutely. And I don't know how to push, even myself, let alone others, to make... Like, to choose when to make that challenge mm-hmm. in a way that it's in good faith and not in a, like, aha, gotcha shit. Yeah. And you I know? think that that happens a lot. There's a lot of gotchas. Um, but I think that being a good leader is being able to navigate the gotchas, too. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. To be, like, to always have your ethics lead first. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And when your ethics lead before anything else, it doesn't really matter, right, where the intention is coming from when people are calling on you or when people are asking you to talk about things or talk about your vision. Mm -hmm. Because if your ethics, your core fundamental ethics don't change, then for the most part, there won't be that much of a difference from day to day in how you move through the world. And if there is a drastic difference, and that means that that there's a flaw in your fundamental ethics. Right. And and I think the limitation on the response to these calls is when— the activity remains in this abstract sphere that we have now created in this right. moment, right? Like, right. like before moment. this moment, there there was not a Twitter, Facebook space right. where real serious discourse right. like this was happening. Right. And so if the, the response stays to just appeasing that abstract community, because uh-huh. it's not a real mm-hmm. community that you could be tangibly accountable to, yep. that is when I think it, it, it yeah. is limited. Yeah, and I mean, so you, you have to think take about this past. basic thing, right? Where like, because like, President Obama was the first president to have a Twitter. Yeah. But because he was the first president yeah. to have a Twitter, he didn't run that Twitter. 
Right. right. He doesn't have his own Twitter. Yeah. Right. He has people. He's never had his own Twitter. Right, right. He comes on Twitter, you know, to like write a thing, but he has to ask permission from somebody. Somebody has to give <laughs> yeah. him the password. You know what I mean? That's different from somebody like Amara who has her own Twitter, from right? So has been yeah. in conversation yeah. with people, right? Yeah. Where people are calling you out, yeah. mentioning you directly. Yeah. There is no filter between you and, you know, one of your staffers. Right. That's you. Yeah. I think it's funny that... It's not the mayor's office It's not the mayor's Twitter, office right? Twitter. The, so when people yeah. come for me, which is, you know, doesn't happen all the time, but if somebody calls me out on a thing, I don't have a staffer who's fielding those things mm-hmm. away from me, mm-hmm. right? And so a big part of how, why influence happens is because you feel the groundswell. But I don't even know that the Obamas really, really know how mad people are at them. Hmm. I bet you they... I think they gaslight it. I th- who? The Obamas. They, they gaslight think, us? yeah. I, I think they hear it, and I think they 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 gaslight it. I think they hear it, and I think that they think that it's five people when it's right. five thousand. Because usually, when you're on Twitter, it actually is only five. five and you're like the world is mad at me. And it's like right. no, no, no. There is actually two people with three yes. different Twitter accounts to their <laughs> yes, name, that are like mad Trump, at you. who has the POTUS account mm-hmm. and the Trump one, which mm-hmm. I think is funny. He was like, no, no, no I'm not going to use the president one. Right. <laughs> I want to use mine. I have more followers. <laughs> right. Exactly. And fundamentally, what it comes down to is. They they are they are disconnected mm-hmm. and they've been disconnected. Mm-hmm. They've yeah. almost never been connected. Right. Right? Like right. they just yeah. never have been. Like Hawaii by nature is literally, it's literally <laughs> disconnected. Right. Yeah. Like Michelle like left the South Side and then went to Harvard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. many black people do y'all kick it with who went to Harvard? We actually know a couple. <laughs> shout, shout out. How about you? Oh, I, do. I know like three or four, yeah, but not as many, but not as many right. niggas who went nah, to Harvard yeah, who yeah. went to SUNY. Yeah, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Or went to like community or, college. Or, or like SIU didn't go to college Columbia. the fuck at all. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Nah, nah, like, no, but you know what I mean? SUNY purchase was a stronger contingent. Way stronger contingent than like Harvard or Princeton. Right. So and that's not to absolve them, but literally just to sort of mark the difference between those kinds of politicians, which is what I was getting at earlier, versus the kind of politicians we have now. Yeah, I definitely just spend our last 10 minutes not asking you to be a surrogate for our Obama conversation. Okay. Oh, I mean, I don't mind. No, I, which is cool, but you have, I just, I think it's important since yeah. we may not get you on mic again. Mm-hmm. I want to make mm-hmm. sure. So, so the, the, the question that. I wanted to ask, and I, and I think you, you also asked the question yeah. that I'm going to answer into asking the question of like, yes. what do people want? And one thing that I feel is I want some people who are going into these positions of power who fundamentally critique that position itself mm-hmm. and understand that representative right. republic the representative republic is anti-democratic in its design right and so as you were in that world you mentioned that there's a uh, uh there are there's a lineage of black women mm-hmm. that that you look to or call upon whether it is literally or ancestrally mm-hmm. um and so what is that like for you who, who are some of those people and what is what is that legacy or lineage that you f- feel yourself in so I always start with Phyllis Wheatley. Ah, mm-hmm. shout out. Shout out. We, we, we're short on our Phyllis Wheatley shout right. outs up here. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> um, one, because I had a mentor sort of like teach me about her. So I, a couple years ago, I was at a writing workshop and I was complaining about how like I'm in my MFA program. I was with all white people and I was the youngest person. And one of my mentors was like, okay, but you chose it though. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, so Damn. what? Like that doesn't make it okay. And people talk to me like this. He's like, okay, but you chose it though. Yeah. So now what? Yeah. Right. What you does know, that mean? That's real accountability. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like you choose every day to occupy this space of privilege. Right. And these are the things that come with it. So now mm-hmm. what? Um, and he. Shout out. One of the ways of him teaching me that lesson was by teaching me about Phyllis Wheatley. Right. Who was effectively the first black woman to, but black woman writer to be published ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and she like 
the, the story I love the most about her is that she she wound up writing a poem about a black hole at 16. And she taught herself how to write. Mm-hmm. And her slave masters <laughs> were so confounded mm-hmm. by this little girl making marks on the wall. Like, literally, she found a piece of stone. Mm-hmm. She's like two, and she's writing letters on the wall. I mean, how far? Yeah. <laughs> the writing on the wall. I don't know how far mm-hmm. you can take that <laughs> metaphor, yeah, yeah, but like, there it is, right the fuck there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and later in her life, um, she wound up having to go to court mm-hmm. because these white men were trying to say that she didn't write these poems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they were like, it was like the, what, what is one of those like ridiculous, like the, the like a, like a citizen's test yeah, basically. Yeah. Like she yeah. had to like know about like Greece. Greece. And all. And like, it's like, there's no way you wrote these poems that like, clearly you're plagiarizing somebody. Right. Yeah. Um, this is also the plot of Finding Forrester. <laughs> it is. <laughs> you're right. Just saying. <laughs> We've had a lot of Finding Forrester references. It was a formative text for me. No, oh my God, I love Finding Forrester. I really do. Um, oh. I just like the scene of the Knicks game. That's my favorite part of that movie. It's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, Phyllis Wheatley, mostly because like she wound up like fighting with all these white men. She did all this shit, yeah. all this great shit, just to have to spend the rest of her life fighting with white men. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like the the idea of like slave narratives, which right. what, is what made the abolition movement possible. Right. She is the origin. Exactly. Of, of that. And the, black American right. slave. And had to defend literature. it. Right. Right. And had to like fight for, for the ownership of that narrative, mm-hmm. which is fucking crazy. My dad was telling me about, there was an article this week about the only... Slave memoir by someone who never became free mm-hmm. that is still around that is published, mm-hmm. uh, and it was by this guy who wrote in Arabic. Yeah, had been like a. Um, so the stat that they gave in the article was that it was like between fifteen and twenty five percent of slaves in America in eighteen ten were Muslim, mm-hmm. and mm. which I just sense. had never that like it makes sense, sense, but I hadn't conceptualized mm-hmm. it that way. Mm-hmm. Also, I think like. Just in the limited way of like that's an East African thing, but anyway, yeah, yeah totally. That, but those numbers were just very eye opening. Um, but he wrote the whole thing in Arabic, yeah. Mm. And he had, you know, he had been like a scholar and a philosopher before he was captured, and it's this like beautiful handwritten Arabic. And the um, I can't remember the story of how it got preserved, but I just thought that was such an interesting like texture of like this isn't a language. That was learned. Like he brought this beautiful right. worldly script with right. him, and and even though he didn't, um, he was never free. Like he had, he or used eman- that. He was never emancipated. Emancipated. Yeah. He yeah. used that tool in here, and then that narrative continues. I don't know. Yeah. I just I had never thought about the narrative because the narratives often are in the way of the like someone who then even if she has to defend it, right. she's not in that position in right, the same right, way right. anymore. Right. No, I I agree. And and then to that end, then then. What follows Phyllis is Gwendolyn Brooks, uh-huh. right? Who says, um, you know, live, that is the urgency to medicate the whirlwind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think about that every day because what Gwendolyn is asking, and I think I always feel like she's specifically talking to black women. Mm-hmm. What she's saying is, mm-hmm. in the most layman terms, there is illness abound. Everybody is sick, yeah. right? And you have the medicine. Mm-hmm. But the only way to fix this shit is for you to live, right? Yeah. And for you to prioritize the urgency of living, for you mm-hmm. to get up every day with that intention. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about that, when I wake up, right, and I go into do the work that I'm doing, like 
you know, it's funny because people always talk about how like politicians are narcissists. And I do think that to an extent, that's definitely true. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of narcissist in like any person who wants that much attention or to run for office. <laughs> I represent you. <laughs> I represent you. Right? There's a little bit I of narcissism. I barely represent sure. me at this point. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, as much as I hate to say that out loud, because it obviously says something about me, that is true. <laughs> However. But the fact that you know that right. means that even if there are certain things that are narcissists. Less. Yeah, yeah. Right. A little less. Yeah. But when I think about like why I want to do this work and why I'm doing this and not just writing books and teaching, which I sure, for sure could be doing, yeah. right? I think about Gwendolyn ultimately asking black women to like prioritize their lives and then like give what they can to like fixing right. this shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know what the universe and like what God has given me in terms of how my brain works because yeah. we all just work, have our brains just work differently. Mm-hmm. And he just gave me the kind of mind that like can process this shit that understands systems and frameworks and can like find ways out and into those frameworks. And so it just feels like a requirement of me as ugly as this fucking world is, especially Mm -hmm. the political world. It feels like a requirement of me to do this work because I'm the only person I know, Mm -hmm. right? Especially of the people that I grew up with who can and who fucking wants to. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, like, yeah. as much as I could just... To have both of those is big. Yeah, you know? Exactly. <laughs> most and of the people who want to can't, and most can't, of the people who can, can don't want to. Don't want to. <laughs> and, you know, while I could just be writing books and, like, hanging out with kids, which, honestly, I would much, you know, enjoy yeah. doing way more than this, mm-hmm. the reason why I get up every day and this has become my life passion is because it feels like a request from Gwendolyn to give mm. what I can to medicate mm-hmm. the whirlwind, and this is what I got. On top of the poems, right? On top of just, like, being able to be in conversation with folks. It's like, I know this shit. I can navigate this shit. And so it would be ridiculous for me to lay in bed and be like, you want to know what? It's actually too ugly. Mm -hmm. It's actually too dirty. It's actually too complicated. I'm afraid to be wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Because obviously one of my biggest fears is that I'll wake up in 10 years and people are going to be like, oh, you're a sellout, Mm -hmm. right? Because I, like, said the one wrong thing or, like, wrote the wrong— the, But, like, my passion to, like, actually medicate the whirlwind has to be bigger than uh, my fear of being wrong. Yeah, that's that's, that's huge. Yeah, so, so, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm just, um, I am enamored by the power of which you, you speak from. So you, you, you have mentioned, you know, the book world. Yes. And when we first mentioned it, you said it, it will soon be haunting you when it's yes. out. So now that it is not a haunting relationship, yeah. where do you find comfort in talking about that work? Um... I just fucking love poems, man. <laughs> yeah, right. Shout out to the poems. I really do. I just really fucking love poems. And I really love, I mean, no matter what I do, and this goes back into the question of like, how does this fit into everything for me happens in metaphor and an image and right. an implication, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So no matter what happens, my first thought is like, but what does this mean? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, a yeah. even little shit where like a glass will break in my house. And the first thing I'm Googling is like, when glass breaks, what yeah. does it mean? <laughs> you know like, this I, must be a symbol of something. Something. Um, And poetry allows me a real world way to do that without overcomplicating things, right? Like, one of the reasons why, like, I have a hard time dating this, I was like just on a date with this guy and he called me a perpetual OT. And I was like, what the fuck is that? He's like, you're an overthinker. And Mm. I was like, oh, yeah, (laughs) of course, right? Um, But that day go well? no, no, no. Uh, yeah, I was, no, no, I was no, no. That didn't sound like a no, bad day. No, no, no. We never hung out again. Boo. Boo to the shout out to I know. Boo. Yeah, of course. Usually, usually labeling people on a first date is like not go the best well. way you want to do Especially it. Especially right? with an obscure breed. Yeah. Exactly. Like <laughs> a perpetual OT. Like, okay. You yeah. just overthought that. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> that exactly. 
but what I realized is like poetry is the world where I where like overthinking is like useful mm. and like necessary. Where like one word isn't just the word, like one right. image yeah. isn't just one image. Like they're all hundreds and hundreds of images. Mm-hmm. And I just love I just love every day that like I still get to like be part of that world. Yeah, the multiplicity. That that multiplicity and that duplicity, right? And being able to like Poetry teaches you that contradictions are, like, natural and normal yeah. mm-hmm. um, and that nuance is necessary mm-hmm. yeah. in a way that I don't think any other kind of craft teaches you. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially when you're then doing electoral politics. Electoral politics. <laughs> and I think, yeah. like, just having being able to own that and that still just being so much a part of me means that I, like, see the world poetically, mm-hmm. which means that I, like, see nuance in everything. Yeah. Um, so nothing gets flattened. Yeah. And I just like, I'm so, again, going back to like what God has given you and being able to use it, just like so fucking grateful that like God allows me or the universe or whoever. Yeah, I was about to ask what your God game is like. Well, I like to ask <sighs> that question. And we don't have to go as literal or as much as you want to share. Uh, I'm so, I'm Jewish and like, I don't know what that means anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm stressed out about it. Yeah. I also like come You're from. You're Jewish? I am, but I also so come from a y'all very. Y'all just linking up Bronx, I know. Bronx Judaism. Bronx Jews. <laughs> we met about three years ago on the Breakbeat Poets book tour. Exactly. Exactly. I was like, ah, oh, uh, kindred another soul. <laughs> but yeah. beyond that, just like, I was like, oh, I've been in this, this Chicago, like, I think I felt here the way maybe you, in some ways, yeah. similar to how you're feeling stepping into this place and being like, oh, this is not where I am of. Yeah. And like, trying to make sense of it. Yeah. Like, I'm definitely going home. <laughs> like, no shade and has nothing. Like, I love no, Chicago not, and I love no, Chicago yeah. people, but like, I belong where I'm from, yeah. you know? And yeah. I think part of like figuring out like my God stuff and like my spiritual stuff has a lot to do with like going back. To where I'm from, like, yeah, I'm, and just like being there, yeah. you know, it's like part of why the Obama conversation is awkward because it's like I'm not from here, and I almost yeah. feel disrespectful even like speaking on what folks should feel mm-hmm. about him. And well, you don't have to be should... the expert, you know. I, I oh, I know that. Yeah, but also, but you... if you if you ever want to shit on Chicago, January is the month to do it. So you, <laughs> you, you, you can get those off right now. Right now. <laughs> It's, it's, it's in July you. when we get sensitive and, and territorial. <laughs> we know it sucks point, right understands. Yeah. Yeah. What are some particular, and we'll wrap soon, like but what that. are some like particular that. weirdnesses you've discovered here that you're like, I don't know about that. I can take it. Like, y'all niggas really think your pizza is popping. That shit's oh, weird as fuck. <laughs> that shit is weird. What pizza have you had? Oh, this is always your answer, I've had deep dish. I don't know. That shit's trash. No one in Chicago Like, why the fuck are y'all eating pizza with your fucking fork and knife? I saw fucking Nate eating fucking deep dish pizza. I, I I don't know people who actually talk eat about that Nate needs the, to be held accountable. That's something Nate needs to be held accountable. For. Fucking deep dish pizza. So that's the problem. Well, that is whack. I, I just that. Whack. If you're if you're uh, uh, measuring us by deep dish pizza, I agree. Trash. It right. almost killed me once too. But Did that's, it? That's another. Story. Did you choke on the cheese? Yeah. All that fucking cheese baby, yeah, for I'm, no I reason. I almost died. Yeah. Literally. Fuck out of here. Heimlich maneuver had to. Like who? Damn. You the, got high. I got actually Heimlicked. Shout out to the maneuver. What the fuck? Maneuverer. That also like. Okay, I'm gonna keep it. A, I'm gonna keep it a bean, bean, bean. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this is, you know, bigger than Chicago itself. But y'all's access to guns and the and the gun culture here, like I'm good on y'all forever. Mm-hmm. I remember telling my little sister, you know, coming from the Bronx, one thing that yeah. I said to my mom is like, listen, obviously growing up, like niggas had guns, like mm-hmm. homies had guns for sure. Like yeah. mm-hmm. knew you could find mm-hmm. one if mm-hmm. you really, really needed one. Mm-hmm. But for the most part. But you part, had to look. But you had to look, <laughs> right? And like for the most part growing up, it was like, if you could fight, you're 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 fine, mm-hmm. right? As long as you know that like if you walk down the street, somebody pops on you, you can take care of yourself, like you be all right. But out here, 
It doesn't even matter if you can't fight mm-hmm. because niggas be out here shooting. Yeah. They, they, they just have guns. Yeah. Yeah. Is he find a gun in his parking spot? Exactly. That's an old chance bar. Oh, okay. that was one of the funniest. I've never heard you do an impression before. <laughs> I thought so. Oh, that's, nah, yeah, nah, so. Nah, that's why. And it was crazy is that th- th- it, we technically have tougher gun laws than most places. Yeah. But like you're, you get guns. We get them in, so easily. Yeah, so like yeah. that's and, and it's not. And I obviously, agree with like that one. Yeah. I don't mean that in a in a because obviously the the, the socio political implications of that are like way bigger than like just Chicago is yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So definitely not making yeah, that like a, a thing that thing. y'all are responsible for. But, but it genuinely like the way it's that concerning. People, it's concerning. <laughs> like the way that y'all niggas talk about guns. Like yeah. as much as like I come yeah. from a family of yeah. like people who bang and like you know just growing up like in the hood and like being from the hood. Like, I get gang culture and I get bang culture. Why the fuck are y'all niggas? Like, I got a homegirl who was like, oh, yeah, like, I have a purple gun. Like, it's really cute. Do you want to see it? Bitch, no, I don't want to see your fucking gun. <laughs> yeah. The fuck? No, yeah. absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. I'm with and, you. And, it, and it creates, I think, among other things that create, the, it, there's just like a like a tension to every interaction. Every interaction. Like, where even like, it completely calm, like, not, but just the, you know, there is this potential that is that is not that uh, you might expected. die. Yeah, right. Yeah. Whereas, like at home, if you get into some static, you're like, okay, well, we might get arrested because I might beat your ass. Yeah. But for the most part, I'm not particularly concerned about being murdered. Yeah. Because you like stepped on me. Yeah. Yeah. That shit is weird. Yeah. It makes me deeply uncomfortable being here. And mostly because it just means that like my natural New York sensibilities don't fit. Yeah, it's right? a little tri- trickier it's, to snap on it's people. A little, yeah. Right. And so yeah. that's the other thing yeah, too, to where like half the time I'm like, oh, I'm about to snap. And I'm like, I can't because this bitch got a gun. Let me tweet, <laughs> let me tweet, let me tweet it instead. <laughs> tweet it instead. I don't like that. I don't like that kind of limitation. I want any to, other, to tweak if I need to. Any other standout uh like just first impressions? Good some, or bad? In some places, like y'all don't have like Street lights, or like you can't really cross the street because like it's just a road. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Like just there like, are no there like, aren't, aren't, like crosswalks. There aren't like crosswalks or like crossing signs. So like there's a street that runs near. I don't remember exactly where it is, but like near the Ace Hotel, mm-hmm. and it's like a an avenue, and you have to cross that street to like get anywhere. Yeah, but like ain't no lights. <laughs> <laughs> Like, well, good luck. <laughs> right. So, like, my best friend and I got here together for the first when I first visited. She and I were here. We we're like waiting. Who's there's been four best friends. Shout out. Who are we talking about? Oh, uh, Jove Coleman. Shout out. Shout and out. Zerlina Maxwell and Justin Moore. You hosts get on my nerves. Um, <laughs> <laughs> see you bitches in a couple weeks. Um, and we were like really trying to cross the street. And we we're just like looking at each other, like, so. <laughs> <laughs> About to make a run for it. Bitch, you better get, pick that suitcase up. Let's run. Our, our politicians kept the street light money. <laughs> <laughs> but their blocks are illuminated. Yeah. Also, yeah. your corruption is just so profound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's like, fun. It's comical. It's like, That's exactly what it is. That's the other part of what's weird. It's like, in other places, corruption is like at least kind of subtle. The one that always stood out to me here is you can't assume that there will be someone. Like in New York, there's like a hotline or a program or a something for something. Like if you have this issue, right? They might not fix it, but there's someone you, there's can, somebody call you can call who's doing something vaguely related. There's a program here. They're just like, well, good luck, good luck. Here's yeah. four phone numbers that won't ring. Yes, <laughs> just no system. So yeah. I think in the 20th Ward, Willie Cochran, who is yeah. under indictment, mm-hmm. 
in response to I, I forget it might have been for a community benefits agreement. I don't know. No, Young it was black... a, when they in they were protesting outside the a dinner mm-hmm. that was like the it was the, the black caucus. The black caucus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I think like one of the the main demand. I think it was like no cop academy. And yeah. Like yeah, a community benefits agreement. Yeah, and to jokingly say that we are gangsters when you are under indictment in a ward where you're, I think. Three predecessors before you have all gone to jail, yeah. <laughs> and then to joke about it, and I think to run again, maybe. Oh, yeah, no, he's off. The he bat. stopped. He stopped. But there he are, was about to. There he are was, twenty raised, people. Running. No, he raised money to yeah. run. Though, even. <laughs> which is yeah. crazy. That is wild. Yeah. So like welcome Foster's to Chicago. Thanks. Yeah. Like, Susanna Mendoza was like, I have happily pulled the trigger on the death penalty. It's like, oh, yeah. What do y'all be on out yeah, here? It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. it's crazy. You got right. a, lot, a lot to learn while you're I, here. I recommend. You try a thin crust pizza. I tried it. It's all right. I would go with a better. I had a really good, I went to, it's called the Pizza Place, I think. I don't know. It's in Wicker Park. Was it it a Demos situation? Yeah, yeah, you got to get South. You got to get a Beggar's. You can you could do a Leona's. They're like all freezer pizzas. You could do pizzas. Italian fi- fiesta. It's all, like, I don't have time pizzas. for this. I don't have time false. for this. I'm going home. Italian fiesta. Real pi- if y'all want to like take me on a quick tour, dope. Home yeah. run, home home run, run intro. In. Yeah, if y'all want to take me for some pizza, I'm down. I feel like you're busy running a campaign. All right. That a driving yeah. tour might be tough. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But I may have a couple hours here or there, and I would yeah, love to be so. impressed. I would love to. The beauty of pizza is that it often delivers. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> In the ways that Chicago, Chicago politicians never do. Never do. Hey, ah, oh, we got to go. That's, that's that's a, you know what that's called? That's called a boom jingle. You get <laughs> the joke, jingle. get out of here. Come that's on. Well Thank you so much for coming and chopping Thank up. Thank you with for having me. How can, uh, how can folks find you in the way you want to be found? Um... <laughs> funny because I'm just my name everywhere. So that is C-A-M-O-N-G-H-N-E mm-hmm. on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Google because no <laughs> one else has my name. <laughs> so I get to just be Come <laughs> Kimon everywhere. You, sh- you, you got like at Kimon? Yeah, it's literally just oh, you're killing it. Kimon. Wow. It's amazing. Uh, it's just you and a bunch of Twitter employees yeah, with their first that's name. That's it. It's amazing. That's great. Oh, and Ava DuVernay who got at Ava which I think is awesome. It's pretty fucking yeah. amazing. That's, that's yeah. a boss move right there. All right, let's get out of here. Thank you. We'll be back next week showcasing another person reshaping the culture of our city for the more equitable and creative. Much love to the people. Peace. Hello, friends. It's Kiss here. I've recently been trying to step my fashion game up, and the look that I've kind of settled on is Spy on his day off. So, like, they got the turtleneck. I got, like, the nice coat over it, the leather gloves, Like, I spent all day, like, fighting the KGB, but I'm taking the afternoon off. If that's the look that you've got going on, or you just want to be in a spy-inspired themed restaurant, the Safe House inspires you to experience Chicago's number one spy-themed bar and restaurant located in the heart of River North. Your next late-night mission should include a stop at the Safe House. You can sip on giant shareable cocktails dance the night away to our live DJ and exit through the top secret laser maze. Name Chicago's most Instagrammable restaurant. That's an interesting Yelp category. Don't miss out on the fun every Friday and Saturday night. For more info, visit safehousechicago.com.